after sealing Keith Long's signature last week and then thumping Finn Harps at the weekend, Waterford fans probably didn't think that things could get any better. Step up Alan Reynolds. He's the new assistant manager. And is this the change that the Blues needed to kick them on and take that first division by storm? The fella in the green on my short. The fella in the green on my short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where the string of changes are forming in the background at Shelbourne. Anna Reddins has returned to Waterford and more Irish talent leaves for mainland Europe. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from thebigkickoff.com. And Nathan, Waterford have put the dream team together. They have. He's back, Roy. Alan Reynolds, local legend, uh, back at the Blues. He's, we, we know what we can do as a manager. Don't we? He's like he's three spells. Things going. This is his third spell now at Waterford. Started off at Waterford United in two thousand and four, but then most famously with with the, the Waterford we know with now Waterford FC, uh, two thousand seventeen to twenty twenty, winning the fourth division in two thousand and uh, and seventeen and gaining promotion. Nice to see that he is back at his local club because there was a con- lot of controversy, wasn't there, Roy, in his yeah. departure in twenty twenty, being laid off through COVID uh, via email, which understandably has not gone down well uh, at the time whatsoever but in fairness to Alan he's been a very busy man hasn't he since that uh, 2020 departure uh, from the RSE uh, taking over as assistant manager Arthur Lewis at Dundalk uh, Shelbourne in 2021 uh, became Jim Crawford's assistant manager at the Ireland under 21 level uh, a role that he, he still holds and thankfully will still get the hold while uh, doing his duty now with Keith Lawn at Waterford uh, but most recently has been uh, Rory Higgins, assistant manager at Derry since December 2021, where he won the FEI Cup uh, last year. So he's definitely, he's been really busy. We know the sort of acumens of a coach that he can be. If he didn't have a job at the FEI, he could very, very lightly and very uh, easily go into a Premier Division job. He, he's that sort of caliber of a coach. He's but probably, I'm sure yeah, he'd be delighted at top two, top two biggest jobs in the country between Shamrock Rovers and Derry at the moment. You can't really get a bigger job than he had at Derry. So uh, I believe that when yeah. I read up about it, it is something to do with family and uh, he feels the need to go back to Waterford. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't leave Derry. Yeah, like in fairness, even Rory Higgins, when it was announced that he was leaving uh, to go back to Waterford, high praise were we saying that yeah, Alan made him a better manager. So he's definitely going to be a big loss for Derry City. Uh, I do believe that, he, I don't know how true it is or not, Roy, you know yourself, going on the League of Ireland grapevine can be a little bit unreliable in terms of uh, the Twitter talk, that he was still living in Waterford, living in Tremor and, and travelling up and down to Derry, so if that's the case, that's a huge travel commitment, mm-hmm. so it does make sense, doesn't it, just to go back home, but Waterford will be absolutely delighted, because as, as I said, they're getting a real top quality coach uh, within the League of Ireland, and a great backup for Keith Lawn to have to really push on now, and get their way back into the Premier Division where do, where do you belong a club of that size 7-1 victories not a bad start for Keith Long but does this say more about no does this say more about Finn Harps than it does Waterford yeah what do you do from a Finn Harps point of view Roy you know it's we talk so much about Dave Rogers coming in again another coach that I've been highly highly uh, praiseful of uh, when he came in as the Finn Harps manager especially it was great to see him get such a long term contract but 
it seems this hasn't been a good start to the season for them, has it? Sitting in eighth position now at the moment after seven games, uh, one win, three defeats, and three draws. Uh, sitting on six points with the second worst defensive record uh, in the division, so it really isn't a good look for them. Like it is very day early days in his tenure. We talked so much about the rebuild that went on and the massive build that he's doing. Like, is it a case of he just dust himself off and move on, or is it difficult, you know, to just simply do that when you're beaten by such a massive margin? What do you reckon? Well, I mean, the fact that he's only taking the job over is probably of benefit because if this was yeah. halfway through and the form wasn't great, maybe they wouldn't they wouldn't look at it in the same way. I think that what they got, they've played seven, they've only got six points, one win, three draws. It is only three defeats that they have, but they really need to start turning those into I mean, these were the favourites to battle it out to go up. So if you're not battling it out to go up, uh, at Finn Harps uh, with the changes that are happening there with the stadium and everything that's coming in there is more pressure on, to have a Finn Harps job now you know there, there's, there is that element of of expectation especially when you're in that first division so yeah he he's going to have to turn things around and you know draws aren't good enough sometimes draws are like defeats you know you're losing ground heavily when you have two or three in a row so uh, that that won't we, they have to knock that one out of the park and I see he came out on on his Twitter feed and, and I, I apologise to all the Finn Harps fans etc etc um, the players need to step up now as well they, they, they have to take some of that on, on, on the chin because the, the seven more hammering is you know anytime it's it's you know there's there's a lot that's gone wrong not that's not just the, the manager putting out there and it's mostly the players that were out on the pitch yeah exactly Roy it's it's never a good look at all and like, as you can see like even looking at the Waterford team why they haven't got off to the best start imaginable you know 10 points off uh, Galway at the top table it's it's never really is a good look at all to be beaten 7-1 regardless if it is home or away in fairness too Finn Harps and even gauging the reaction online, as you said, looking at the Dave Arthur's Twitter post, it is a fairly positive rallying around. A lot of fans, I don't know if the performance in the, isn't the way, maybe the manner of, of the way Dave is going about it. It's it's a complete um, 180 from what they used to. And this isn't having a job at Ollie Hogan, but I think you can sort of see the, the, the philosophy of football that Dave is trying to bring into the club. And as I said, having him on a four-year deal there, you know he's going to be around. Uh, come 2024, 2025, and you know, for the foreseeable future, hopefully, if they can uh, keep these 7 1 defeats down to a, to a one off. Yeah, let's just have a look at this first division because Galway are obviously strolling at the moment, seven from seven, Brilliant. can't go wrong. Uh, your tip of the year, Cove Ramblers, are up there. 14 points. Now, in all fairness, we looked at Waterford and we were saying, you know, they haven't made that great of a start, but they are only three points off Cove. 10 points is, is not huge uh, for the start they've made uh, to be that far behind Galway. It's, it, it could have been worse. So there's a lot to be played for here. Uh, have you seen anything of Galway at all? I've watched them on a couple of occasions and there's something different about them this year than there was last year. Yeah, I have to say, Roy, it's one of the teams, unfortunately, I have not got around to looking at them. But as you said, you, you cannot fault that start whatsoever, can you? Um, no. seven wins after seven games seven points clear of the table sitting pretty at the top we questioned and again seven games in but we questioned the um, both the partnership of having John Caulfield there probably knowing himself that's his last chance saloon and having the um, 
the 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 aura and the figure of the beloved Ollie Hogan behind them, but it seems to be a recipe that that that's working out well. Um, but like I said, you've you've seen them. Have you have you noticed any major difference of them on the field? Probably to the the limited amount of goal we United you would have seen last year. Yeah, well, uh, there's more bookings from Ollie Horgan, I think, uh, than <laughs> any other player uh, in the league at the moment. So there's obviously that bit of fight that you're seeing now with with the team, and Ollie Horgan has to bring something to that team. Um, two good, well experienced men there, but now they, the the players are definitely getting it in both ears, and uh, no one will be allowed be lax a daisy but I was looking at the way they play they're playing nice good football some decent players there in that team I know the, the, the hammering of Kerry the other week Kerry weren't in a great side now in all fairness and, and probably deserved the 7-1 thump and uh, one thing I noticed out of that game and this is turning on Kerry that their their goalkeeper he's, he's I think he's a, a GAH player he's Guthrie isn't it Warren Guthrie I think it is I definitely think he's he's a guy player playing in goal, and it's uh, it shows brutally, absolutely brutally. Pulls off some good saves every now and again, and, and then flaps at all sorts of things. So he needs to get up to speed, and he's up to speed quick because he can't be doing that in the in the league of Ireland. Uh, but Galway took advantage, and yeah, I definitely see, I definitely see a different Galway. There's a there's a purpose about them. They're getting in behind teams. They're they're attacking players, beating players. Where last year it was a lot of passing side to side, and so maybe it's a couple of extra players, maybe it's Ollie Horgan coming in, but there's a few factors there that have definitely changed them. Uh, so I do think they're going to be hard to catch. Even for, for United, if they get things clicked, they're going to be hard to catch. 10 points at this stage is a, is a good old lead. Uh, not that it's impossible for it to change around. Everyone has their bad stages during yeah. the, the season, but yeah, I, I'd be very positive for Galway United this year. And uh, and I'd be delighted if they do go up. As I said, Kerry down the bottom, Treaty, Finn Harps, Longford, Wexford, then it goes up to fifth to Athlone, Waterford, Bray, Cove, and of course Galway. It's a, it's an interesting league this year, isn't it? Yeah, Roy, it really is. It's it's uh, it's shaping up brilliantly. And it's as I said, Cove Ramblers, um I've definitely surprised some I know I tipped them to do well, but not this well to be sitting in second place. But even the side that they beat Roy um on Friday evening, uh, Bray Wanderers Besides getting beaten 2 1 by Cobb on Friday, that's the first defeat of the season. And it's been an excellent start for Bray under a mm. uh, new manager, Ian Ryan. He seems to really bring a bit of positivity back to the Carlisle grounds, which is badly needed after the, the desperate 2022 that he did have. So um, that that's a really interesting idea. You'd imagine they'd be on the tails of like the likes of the Galways. And you'd imagine Waterford will be looking to advance up the table now that Keith Lawn and Alan Reynolds uh, are, are back in the hot seats. You know, it's. A packed fixture schedule for a lot of the sides in April. But you're just looking at some of Waterford game and we playing the likes of Kerry FC, Athlone, Treaty United, Daryl Fixers that were all in there in April and them three teams just mentioned. Winnable games on paper, so there is opportunities for Waterford to all of a sudden be back up, um, really, really battling with Galway for that uh, championship position. In the Premier Division, Shelbourne, there seems to be a few little changes forming in the background of this club, Nathan. There certainly does, Roy. Um, it's been a busy week for them. Starting off on the Friday, getting beaten 1-0 by Derry City at home. A 10-man Shelbourne. We've seen Damien Duff was really, really unhappy with some of the refereeing decisions, Roy. I don't know if uh, if you've seen the game or not. I did. It was I, the game I, I, was, I, looking at, 
I was the same. I was looking at it. I I could certainly understand it with the the Paddy Barrett red cards. I thought I thought I thought it was really really harsh. Um, a couple of penalty shouts as well. So, look, I don't know. We really want to get into refereeing again. It's something that we've covered a lot, and it's something in fairness to Damien. Something Damien has covered a lot in his um in, in his uh, post match press conferences. But uh, I I thought it was definitely definitely had rights to, to to be upset with some of the decisions. Uh, we also seen David O'Connor leaving his uh, chief executive post at Talca Park after five years. That was another big headline maker. But over the past couple of days, right, it's really sort of picked up, hasn't it? And in terms of the off-fields uh, goings-on at Shelbourne, most notably uh, Hull City owner, someone that we talked about looking to heavily invest uh, across Europe, in particular in the League of Ireland. We talked about previous interest of investing in 70% of Dundalk, but now it looks like the uh, whole city owner is closing in on a deal to invest in Shelbourne now. It's something that around the same time as the Dundalk story came out, uh, we've seen that Hull uh, City management were in attendance of a uh, St. Pat's versus Shells game in February. I'm expressing what, what, what he did to look at Pat's, what he did to look at Shells, but it's believed that Hull uh, City officials were a guest of Shelbourne chairman Andrew Doyle that evening. So you'd imagine that's the route they're going to go down. It's believed that talks are in advanced stages and an announcement is expected sooner rather than later. This is where it comes as talks. It's, it's another story with Shelbourne, isn't it? We talked about like the draw they're looking for investments. Dundalk looking for investments. Shelbourne's another club that have been looking for investment for a couple of months now. It looks really likely that Southampton owners could come in and invest in the North Dublin club or those... Um, those talks collapsed by the wayside like late last year, early this year. I don't know about this one, Roy. I don't know about this one. I think, we, again, we talked about the whole city owner coming in to Dundalk and to Shelbourne. I just, I, I fear that it's, while you will have somebody with money coming in to invest in the club, I, I really do fear that it's just going to be an opportunity for Hull City players to be sent, sent on loan for a bit of force team exposure and that, uh, you know, the likes of Shelbourne will be used as a vehicle to look into the bright young talent that's in the league at the moment. Yeah, well, if the the Shelbourne committee who are there at the moment, Shelbourne board, whatever you want to call them, if they're doing their jobs right, they're making sure that they're they're putting in plans and agreements that prevents that kind of thing, that makes sure that Shelbourne are their own club, that makes sure that they benefit from any players going across and that they're not taken across in the cheap. They have to look after the club on this one because they could easily, you know, suck this club dry and then run when they wanted to run. Um, it's, it's an interesting one because... Yeah. There could be, we don't know, but there could be stuff in behind the scenes where they're looking to make the most of this as well because are Hull City likely to get into Europe? No, but Shelbourne could get into Europe. You know, there could, there could be ways of, of making money from this club. And if they get that exposure in through Shelbourne, maybe their players, I suppose, you know, more valuable to other clubs around Europe, etc., etc. So yeah. I think if they do it the right way, there's a, there's a way of making it work for everyone. But I do think they have to be very careful. And I, I do agree that it, I wouldn't be 100% sure on it either until they start hearing a few details about it. Also, I was looking at the, today, Nathan, the, the council, the county council in Dublin on Talca Park. Uh, they're involved in lengthy talks with Shelbourne over the sale of Talca Park 
to the club with a potential cost of up to 2.5 million. That's something they do want to get over the line. And maybe that's something that the the new owners would be able to help them out with. Yeah, and I think that's it's it's really the reason uh, why they are pushing to get some new investment into the club. Boy, as you said, that comes out of uh, the, the Dublin City Council monthly meeting that took place actually yesterday at the time of recording on Monday the 3rd of April. Um, and a, a deal is expected to be completed by the end of the year between Dublin City Council and Shelbourne over uh, the, the ownership of Tolka Park. And as you said, 2.5 million looks like it could potentially cost up there, but the council also need to be satisfied that Shelbourne have the funding available to redevelop Tolka Park, which, as you know, could go into the multi-millions. So they're going to need somebody in there to invest with the club. So it is... While I said very skeptical about um, Hull City ownership coming in, I just don't feel that it's it's from the outside looking in, it's the heart in the right place. But the timing of it probably could be perfect for Shelbourne because we don't. It's absolutely the club, the fans most especially with the whole Save Tolga Park campaign, are desperate to see Tolga Park get out of the hands of Dublin City Council and to be uh, for the first time since nineteen eighty nine to, to be. Uh, property of Shelbourne so having someone in with, with some major financial backing to be able to, to offload the cost of a multi-million uh, redevelopment would be huge for them in this uh, this point in time because as you said look you have I think there's four key shareholders in the club at the moment you also have to trust financially backing it but outside investment will it's absolutely key to not only buying Tolka Park but getting up to a standard that really really should be at yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if they go in there and, and just use Shelbourne. It's not impossible, but to go in there and look at other models around, you know, you see the Fleetwood model that they're going to South Africa, they're going to Ireland, they're going here. You look at Man City who are going throughout the world, America and, and Australia and stuff like that. They're going there to to make the club bigger, to make the brand bigger. And I would be surprised yeah. if Hull City are looking at all those others and then going into Shelburne and looking to suck it dry. So I do have concerns because we haven't heard anything yet, but I do still think that this could be a positive thing and I think they can benefit from it. And it, I don't think there'll be anything wrong. There's players coming across. You've seen players coming across from West Ham into St. Pat's and, you know, so there's nothing wrong with players coming across. But not full teams. There's a lot of good talent here and you can see them. And in all fairness, if players from here do end up going across to Hull City, they need to be able to put that money into the Shelbourne coffers and, and not not be doing any free transfers, etc. just because they can. Uh, so that's important because they may not be owning Shelbourne for very long and uh, the club wants to see and to be pushing on. That's it. That's if there's a takeover... Every club needs to be looking at taking uh, taking themselves on a little bit. So uh, it's definitely interesting. Uh, what did you think of the game, Nathan? The, they were down to 10 men for a long time. Derry City. In fairness, I was more impressed with Shelbourne than I was with Derry City. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually, I've been fairly impressed with Shelbourne this season as a whole, Roy. I think they're... Um, I think I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. I tipped them to be doing their best for European chase. They're definitely good enough. It's a really, really talented squad there. That, that they've assembled this season. I think if they can keep the nucleus of that team for the next couple of years, it still is a little bit raw, still lacking that little bit of leadership in terms of um of a couple of senior figures. I know they had like Paddy Bauer, but Paddy getting sent off. Um but even some of the, the, the younger lads here, like Mark Coyle, he'd be experienced he'd be experienced in the league, would still be 
fairly young in, in terms of age, but um, yeah, I, I was the same as you. I thought they were unlucky not to get even a point out of the game on Friday night. And as I said, I can definitely understand uh, Damien Duff's frustration with some of the decisions. Uh, just to circle back to that, because I know I, I said a little bit about so if, would you be in, in agreement with him? What did you think of the red cards? I know there was a late penalty show as well, which probably could have been a little bit soft, but I thought there was a couple of build-up of decisions that really raised some eyebrows over the course of those 90 minutes. Well, this is not this is going back to last year as well, Nathan, and probably before yeah. that, where we've seen you know crazy decisions and and not and not great decisions. Uh, balls going out of play and and linesmen letting it go, and you know it's stupid stuff that we're seeing time and time again. Listen, on that one, the referee got it wrong. Whether the angle he's seeing it from looked like because we're all talking about the referee, but the player went down holding his face like he was after being you know. Yeah. There was some sort of martial arts going on, but that's not that wasn't the case, you know. Yeah. So we got you know, assaulted, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna go down cheating like that, you're conning the referee. So we should all be looking at that rather than the referee, because you can see it from an angle from a referee. There is an arm that goes back, he holds his face and he goes down. We can see it from the side on view where there's not really much contact there and it isn't a sending off so or a second yellow card. So uh, I, I give some flack to the referee on this one. I, again, I think that the, the player should be named and shamed and, and you know, I, I don't have this in League of Ireland football. We don't want it. We don't want people rolling around holding their face, pretending they're injured. It's absolute nonsense. So do I agree with Damien Duff? Yeah, because referees do need to, we, we do need to push it more. Whether that's going more full time, you know, putting more effort into into making sure that these referees are, are doing every course left, right and centre and working hard and training hard and, you know, everything that they need to do. That's it. Yeah, put the funding into it. That has to be done. So, uh, yeah, I do agree that it's, there's room for improvement uh, when it comes to referees and linesmen. Now, just finish off on that. Pats won. Uh, if they didn't win that one, Nathan, against UCD, <coughs> you may have well forgotten about it. Cork and Drogheda, you would have banked on that draw one all. It was the Rovers and Dundalk one that normally wouldn't become as a surprise, but it did come as a surprise this time. Yeah, it certainly did, Roy. Uh, Shamrock Rovers picking up the fourth win of the season, beating Dundalk 4-0 in Oriel Park. Uh, like, again, we are talking about draws with the likes of Waterford and Shamrock Rovers going so, uh, you know, seven games without a win can look bad on paper, but considering that it, it's uh, they only had one defeat and five draws, it's the draws that have absolutely killed them throughout yeah. the start of the season and down to some poor performances and some poor uh, disciplinary issues as well but absolutely huge 4-0 win uh, against a really really good Dundalk squad and especially coming up to Easter weekend now Roy with the massive Dublin derby taking place between themselves and Boas um, on the Friday night so it really couldn't have came at a better time for Stephen Bradley and his men couldn't it yeah and they could do well with a victory there against Bowes, which would all of a sudden put that little bit of doubt in Bo's head and, and give that little bit of leap of confidence and vice versa. If Bo's go and win that, Shamrock Rovers, there's going to be a, a, a bit of nerviness about them then after that. I'm looking at their their side, Nathan. You don't even have to look at their side. You look at their bench and they've got yeah. Gannon, Lopez, Watts, Finn, Green, Bork, you know, new, new sign and Poom. 
it's it's ridiculous the, the amount they have, but they all can play, and that, and that's it. And I wonder if there's going to be. I've said it before. It's very hard to keep everyone happy. So you just wonder. That's a great win. I know they had a uh, didn't they have a man sent off? Uh, yeah, Benson was Robbie Benson was sent off around the uh, the half an hour mark. Just yes, so that just changes everything. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's the bit of luck they needed. So, but yeah, isn't it? It's a great win for them. They needed it badly. It gets them up the table. It doesn't look as bad as as it did, but a big, big game on Friday, and uh, can't, can't wait for it. Absolutely can't wait for it. Now, we were talking about Irish talent leaving for England, but there's more Irish talent leaving for mainland Europe. There certainly is, Roy. You talked about the uh, the, the Cork City and Rotterdam United one all game on Friday night. First of all, before we go into this. Delighted to see Aaron Bolger back playing 90 minutes uh, for Cork City against Drogheda. Picked yeah. up a really, really nasty head injury against Sean Groves a couple of weeks ago. So that's great to see before we move on and say anything else. But yeah, it just came out. Cork City confirming. Um, things through the day, Roy, wasn't it? You would have yeah. won that sort of... Uh, that Had the information on this one for your play on the ball. Uh, so Cork City on their Twitter announced uh, that the club confirmed they've reached an agreement with Bundesliga signed Hoffenheim for Matthew Moore to join the German side. Really, really good move for the young lad, isn't it? This is another product. And again, we talked about uh, the, the, the knock-on effect of Brexit. This is another product of that. Seeing these young lads go over to Bundesliga teams, Serie A teams, League 1 teams, teams that they necessarily wouldn't have got a, a look at in, or they would have been more likely to go across, across to League 1 or League 2. So going into like Hoffenheim, that, well, they're not going to be, we know they're not going to be doing the Bills in terms of win the league, uh, the Bundesliga, or things like that. But it's again, it's the standard that's over there, the standard of facility that he's going to get, the standard of coaching he's going to get, the standard of rest and recovery of, of everything. It's, it's just going to push uh, Machu on to the other level completely. And it's, it's a brilliant move uh, from his point of view. Yeah, he's only 16 years of age. They said it's a five-figure sum as well as an inclusion of bonus clauses in the deal. So I think what will yeah. happen with League of Ireland clubs is they, they will be happy to sell for five-figure sums, but it's the, the bonus clauses of the 10%, 15%, and 20% selling all clause. That's where they're hoping to get it back. That's where they look at the likes of... Um, any of the, the English lads going across to Germany and looking at the sell-on clauses that they're after getting there they're hoping they're going to get that be nurtured over there and uh, grow in a way that they probably wouldn't have grown here if you know what I mean so uh, it'd be great to see not everyone goes over there and, and does their stuff we've seen players who have you know Nolan with Inter Milan and stuff like that it doesn't always work out the way you think it might work or it could work so there's a lot of hard work there for them but it's a huge move for them and if he goes there and grasps it and hopefully now his family are with him as well because it's a kind of, it'd be a, a It'd be a tough one for him out there on his own, night. That's one yeah. of the hardest parts for them, isn't it? And it's something that we don't see, Roy, isn't it? We can just talk about the football side of things and you know, getting used to the standard of the way that you play football in Germany or other countries. But yeah, it's it's the culture, isn't it? At 16 years of age, like I, I couldn't imagine what sort of state my life would be at the moment if I was allowed to live on my own. I probably wouldn't even be alive doing this podcast, to be honest. I'm not sure you do it now at the moment, Nathan. I'm 26 and I wouldn't trust myself <laughs> to live on my own without my missus and my dog keep me bleeding on the, on the straight and narrow. So that would be a stretch. But it is something, isn't it, Roy? Like trying to get adapted to a new culture, a new language, a new way of living, essentially, even though it's only in mainland Europe. 
the, the cultures are vastly different. So it's going to be a brilliant experience for him. And it's great to see there's so many clauses get, getting tacked onto it. But And it could take a while too, because I, as you said, and go either way, we're hearing a lot of positive things about the likes of it, like Cottle Heffernan playing with AC Milan, seems to be doing brilliant today, underage system. James Abanque went to Udinese from St. Pat's, only made his Serie A debut over the weekend. So these things do take time. And it's about having that support system around you at such a young age too. It's, it's going to be absolutely vital for him. Yeah, absolutely. Now, fan question. It's back. It's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it? It has been a couple of weeks. But then again, we did have a couple of weeks off uh, for varied reasons. Uh, we never actually said that to you. So thanks very much for tuning back in last week because yeah. uh, we did have a couple of things that went on and uh, we were delighted to be back last week. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's always great to come back after a couple of weeks. So And it's great to have the fan question back. So let's keep them coming. Get them into us at the big kickoff. Uh, social media, email address, all that good stuff. You know the story, but now keep them coming. We have... Um, a new name, right? In the fan questions, uh, Adam O'Loughlin reached out on Facebook. I think it was. I think it was 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 on a big kick off Facebook. Was on a morning. Anyway, I don't know. Matter. It must have been yours, Nate. No, I didn't see it. We'll sort of all that Adam and stuff later. Uh, Adam said, "New listener, great Adam. Love to hear it. Keep listening. Keep sharing that good stuff." Um, he wants to get our thoughts on Evan Ferguson, Roy, because he's heard a lot of other podcasts talking about Evan, and he hasn't really heard what we've had to say. So, Adam's question is: Is Evan Ferguson the real deal? And it was attacked on with another question saying, uh, what approach should be taken for the next step of his career? So we'll do a head of right. Yeah, well, listen, is Evan Ferguson the real deal? He is definitely more of a real deal than what we've had previously. We've looked at the likes of Connolly. We've had other players, Parrot, Adamida, Obafemi, and they, they are all players who are decent players but never going to make that step on and you could see that after they had their initial burst onto the scene and then after a while then the goals are, are drying up and you know or they have to drop down a level to, to, to score a few goals and you know it just it, it's not there but with, with Evan you can see that he fits in in the Premier League you can see that he has the strength you see he has the, the cleverness the movement but he also has the focus. He has great touches. His technical ability is brilliant. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's on, he's near same level as Robbie Keane at that age. Robbie Keane was outstanding at that age. He was far further on than Evan Ferguson was uh, at this stage. The confidence oozed out of Robbie Keane. It was just. It was a joy. I used to turn on match of day just to see Robbie Keane play. Um, no, I am turning on match today to see Evan play because I'm more in hope of, let's ho- hope he's doing really, really well. He played tonight. They played tonight against, uh, who were they playing tonight against? One, yeah, two, nil. Bournemouth. Bournemouth, that's right. And scored an unbelievably great goal. A <laughs> uh, little flick under with his, uh, the inside of his left foot. A really good goal. He is the best. And he, is he the real deal? Yes. If real deal means that, is he going to be a really, really top player? Yes. Is he going to be Robbie Keane? Type top player, different player altogether. I think Robbie Kane, sharp, torn, and uh, loads of skills. B players, torn them inside out. Evan Ferguson's more of get yourself into the box. But with Ireland and with Brighton at the moment, it's two different things. 
doesn't well we only seen him in the one, one real game I know he's played in that friendly against Latvia 697th placed Latvia alright but we, we played against France and got no service at all strikers like him need service if he gets service in the box he'll score goals I definitely think that do I think he could get up to a level where he's you know Harry Kane-ish level yes I do actually think he can get that good but I don't think he's got I don't think he's gonna he could but I'm not saying I wouldn't put that pressure on him to be like that you know because Harry Kane is is, is up there world class but he has those attributes that he, he could possibly go and do that kind of thing but with Robbie Keane Robbie Keane had that outstanding ability to be able to change games on his own at that at that young age so is he near Robbie Keane at the moment no is he is he near Harry Kane at that age probably yes because Harry Kane wasn't blown to the world alive uh, at that stage either so I definitely think that he has every attribute to go on and uh, be the real deal for Ireland he's a huge huge need we need him badly in, in that team and when you see that the rest of the lads who work hard, who do a great job for us, they aren't out and out goal scorers. And you can just see here that he he's the best of, of what we've had in a long time. Which is somewhat of a dying art, Roy, isn't it? The art of, of an out and out central striker, especially someone yeah. so young and, and, and so physically capable to to withstand the, the, the physical pressures of the Premier League, which is brilliant to see. And we, like you just mentioned, Robbie Keane, from an international point of view, being selfish, it, it's still someone we never replaced. And as we are saying, it's, we were in this boat, you know, getting excited over Aaron Connolly when he came through uh, with Brighton. Then uh, Troy Parry needed to get away from Tottenham to really show what he's worth. And there's Adamita and uh, Norwich showed in the Premier League season. But there's so, there is definitely something different about Evan at that point of view, really having a breakout 2023 season, uh, six in appearances in all competitions. Uh, across the Premier League, the, the FA Cup and the DFL Cup. Like, it's, it's being talked about heavily. Uh, it really be high praise for only 18-year-olds. Are you a bit more savvy in terms of the Premier League than I am, Roy? Um, I see it was something like Sky Sports had him ranked up along with Bukayo Saka as the best under-21 player this season within the Premier League. I could be wrong and some of that warden there, but I, I know they did have him in a conversation with Saka. Um, as the most impressive uh, young player in the league uh, this year. Links with the likes of Manchester United coming up now within the summer. Um, I don't know what you think about some of those moves that, that have been talked about. I hope they don't happen. Again, from a selfish Irish point of view, I'd love to see him stay at Brighton um, and progress and keep doing what he's doing there because he's only made, he's been limited enough in terms of, of game time with, that's getting better now as the season's gone on. So, You'd like to see that he's impressed. Maybe he'd become a regular starter through the course of the full season next year. Even Brighton now, after, as you said, they were playing Bournemouth tonight. They picked up three points or sit in the sixth position. So seeing them in the Europa League and the Europa Conference League next year, it could realistically happen um, at, at the point of recording today. So to have him get that European experience as well, that'd be huge too, wouldn't it? Uh, from a personal point of view for him. Yeah, I think... Brighton is a good place for him at the moment. He's getting his game time. He's scoring his goals. He's getting that confidence. He's learning on the job. It's brilliant. And they have so much faith in him. They they played at the weekend. He had They, they said he was tired after being away in international duty. He probably had a niggly something or another. He was straight into the team this, this evening against 
Bournemouth and that shows the faith they have in him there dropping Danny Welbeck I think they drew three all at the weekend dropping Danny Welbeck and, and, and playing him in there it shows huge faith and I'm not going to agree with you that I think that I'd like him to stay around at Brighton because I have a feeling Brighton are going to they, they're going to have a certain amount of time I think they'll drift away again they, they, all those teams eventually have their couple of years Leicesters and all that and they drift away eventually and I just think that that is going to happen they're going to get picked off those players are going to get picked off and the team is going to uh, drop away yeah he might get next season now but I wouldn't like to see him stay any longer than next season with them Um yeah, I don't think I'm advocating for him to, to be, you know, a Harry Kane type player in that aspect where he sticks mm-hmm. around at, at Brighton for the next five, six, seven years. I just think with being the age that he's at, 18, you'd hate to see him rush into, into it like a Manchester United move. You've seen something similar, like, you know, it's completely just off the top of my head, but like I said, Wilfred Sahar doing so well, they gets his big move and it sort of knocks him back a couple of years, knocks the confidence back. So I'd like to see him just the stay and get that is- little bit. The only thing is what you're talking about there, Zaha, they're going into teams with top, top quality players ahead of them. Where, who's ahead, who would be ahead of them, say, if he went to Manchester United? Vout Vickhurst. So it's a a different story there. If, if, say, Manchester United went in from, they'd be going in from because they think that he could do a job for them up there. They think that there's a quality there. And also, do they want to go out and pay a hundred million for Harry Kane? So no, they probably don't. Would it be better for them at the moment? Do you think Evan Ferguson go into that Manchester United team now and do a good job? He has the confidence to be able to go and do a good job. Wayne Rooney, when he was that age, had the confidence to go in. So if he has that mindset, and just listen to him in the conversations that he's had with, uh, you know, in some of the interviews, I think there's a there's a confidence there and a focus there that he, you know, if he took that on, that may, maybe he wouldn't have to play every game. Maybe playing half the games in the season. But he'd be playing Champions League football, maybe, or Europa League football, depending on how they finish up. I, I think he'd get plenty of game time there at Manchester United. He'd be playing with a lot of top, top players too. Uh, I don't think, the, the way that Ten Hag is looking at that team at the moment, plenty of players are getting plenty of game time and he does like the youth aspect would not surprise me if they did go in from in, in the summer. And would I like to see him go there? I'd like to see him go there, but only, as you said, if he's playing games. If he's not playing games, it's a waste of time. So yeah. are Manchester United going to buy a couple of strikers? They have Anthony Martial back. Does Evan Ferguson push Anthony Martial? For me, he does. Yeah, because so. yeah. Martial had his chance. In my In my opinion, he's had his chance and he hasn't taken his chance. So... But let's forget about Manchester United because it's just they're the rumours at the moment. Any other team in that? Could he go to... What if Tottenham Hotspur got rid of Harry Kane? Could he go to Spurs and do a job? Be the number one man there at Spurs? Why wouldn't he? He's doing it at Brighton. So if he's doing a move, it would have to be to one of those bigger clubs and it would have to be nearly with a guarantee that he's going to be, you know, the man. Of course, if you're playing rubbish, you don't, you're not the man. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it to tell you the truth because it it could be a good thing for him. As much as it could, uh, 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 Brighton, what are Brighton going to do? You've seen teams when they go into 
European competition and then struggle in the league next year because they can't cope with the, the competition, you know. So it could easily fall asunder. So I, I think I'd like him to make that next step move. Yeah, we're looking at some of Brighton's striking options. As I said, Danny Welbeck, 32 years of age, uh, Dennis Undav, uh, German uh, player, and Giulio Encisco, uh, who, who scored this evening as well. So they're going to have to definitely add to that bit of quality if they're going to go into the European competitions. And as far as seeing that's a League of Ireland podcast, we might rein it back into the League of Ireland for, for the end bit. Uh, if you are, you know, a Bowles supporter, you will be looking at Evan Ferguson's transfer speculation with a key annoy, wouldn't you? Oh, Considering yeah, always have, always have a 15% sell on clause, and even yeah. the looks of St. Kevin's, they'll get their uh, training um comp as well. So, there's definitely, and while as a you know, as, as an Ireland fan, you want to see Evan do well for, uh, for the international stage and always coming in international stage with, with that sort of confidence, playing well, whether that be at Brighton, Manchester United, whoever it may be. But there's definitely money there to be had from a Bohemian's point of view. Absolutely, it's it's huge for them. What could what could you know? What could ten million do for them? You know what could eight million, six million do for Bowles? It's huge, huge money, and there's another reason for to want them to move on for a a, a big fee. Listen, tell you the truth, if he moves on, what are you looking at? Maybe fifty million or something like that. So if you get your ten percent and your it's your five million, you'd be absolutely you know delighted for for Bowles to get something like that so uh, yeah I I think I do do I think he's the real deal I think he, he definitely has the potential to be the real deal he's shown that he's has the qualities to be a Premier League top striker for many years to come and do I think he should move on I think I've said convinced myself that if, if he stays with Brighton another year that you know is it possible they, that team could get picked off and then he's not getting the supply that he's getting now and, and they're already starting to lose players like the Trossard and, you know, who was it? Cucurello, wasn't it? And stuff like that. You know, there's players getting dripping away from that team. That's always happened. They always get picked off. So, uh, Evan Ferguson, a move somewhere else, I, I think I'd like to see yeah, and you'd imagine as well. Um, everybody's famous, famous, uh, favorite, sorry, Scottish sounding uh, Argentine, uh, Argentine, Alistair McAllister will be out the door too. So, absolutely, that could be another key player for Brighton to Brighton to Lewis that'll offer that bit of service to Evan. As I said, I think I'll convince myself that 16 appearances this season, I just I'd be fearful. I'd like to see him get that extra year at Brighton. I I okay. to get that extra bit of season, and then you you might see him go on for 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 massive figures, and the likes of Bohemians and St Kevin's will will really really thrive after. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, don't forget, email us, send those uh, comments in to us, and let us know what you think. Evan Ferguson, should he move? Should he not move? Should someone come in from? Who should come in from? Um, and is another year at Brighton? Is that a good or bad idea? You let us know. Communicate with us. Let us know. And we'll have a little debate, which is about it, if we make it, uh, if it makes it worthwhile. Nathan, thanks very much again. Another big weekend of League of Ireland football this week. We can't wait. Talk to you next week.